Welcome to another Making an Impression, The Sketches. Two insanely brilliant impressionists join me for part one of this show, the vocal legend that is Alastair McGowan and the wonderfully gifted Kate O'Sullivan. Both of them were fantastic guests in series one of the podcast, uh, and those interviews are well worth a listen. On this show, Alistair explains what makes Jose Mourinho a particularly difficult impression, uh, and Kate discusses the loneliness of being a solo performer. There's also a fascinating insight into the script editing process, as Alistair, who's a great comedy writer in his own right, deconstructs one of the sketches. There are three sketches for you, loads of amazing impressions from my guests, while I, selfless as ever, take on some voices I've never tried, let alone practised before, among them Michael Gove and Nigel Farage. Uh, But look, this show is not about me, is it? hmm? Okay, well, let's get on with it. Enjoy. Let's welcome them straight off the bat, all the way from somewhere not too far from me. It's Kate O'Sullivan. Kate, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm really well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with your other mystery guest. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to introduce him in a minute. You know, he can, he can wait. Let him wait. <laughs> um, it's lovely to have you on, Kate. We, we spoke last time. It's worth mentioning you're in on the landing as I'm looking at you here. It's... Um, <laughs> Why is that relevant? Is it? Does it sound that bad? Come on, be honest. It sounds great, but there are various staircases. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. Staircases yes. going up and down, yes. which is interesting. So yes. I don't know. Well, you, you see, would've... it's kind of. Um, I don't know what possessed people during this pandemic, but everyone is doing stuff to their houses. So, um, yeah, it's kind you of put a staircase. We've got in. scaffolding in every direction, so this is kind of almost <laughs> the most soundproof I can make myself. Well, it's it working very well. And um, we, just to remind our listeners, we uh, obviously we spoke a, on another interview, didn't we, about your voiceover career. And I have described you as the queen of voiceovers. I know you will not accept that description. But t- t- tell us, just give us a little background on your uh, career as an impressionist, which I know started uh, insanely early. Yeah, yeah. Well, nine months old, in fact. But um, that's another story. Um, but uh, I was sort of semi-pro by the time I was ten, and doing all the the sort of um, Butlins, Pontins, um, the Mermaid Hotel, uh, any hotel that would have me. Basically, went out with uh, the Gary Shan Trio and Christopher Woodward, the ma- the magician. So I was their warm up, uh, twenty five quid, cash in hand. Uh, Mum was always there to sort of chaperone me. Um, it was all quite well boundaried and. And then um, sort of progressed to 2D TV and, and um, yeah, just loads of other shows that have completely escaped my, my mind right now <laughs> as I'm talking to you. But uh, <laughs> that's really great, isn't it? Lo- You've got loads of voices to do in, uh, in the show, so it's, uh, le- we're waiting to hear you knock us out. No pressure. Uh, no pressure at all. Uh, also joining us today <laughs> from, from Shropshire, am I right in saying it's uh, some geezer called Alistair McGowan. It is from Shropshire, it is Alistair McGowan. Hello everybody. Well, welcome welcome aboard Ali and it's, uh, we worked together many years ago and I think we did a bit of Dead Ringers when you did all the voices and I 
kind of made the tea and um, then uh, some other other shows I can't even remember there was one called And This Is Us does that, that make does that sound right really? on Radio 2 I don't remember with... that one actually God, this um, is oh, and this is them anyway ah yeah now, now you're talking yeah you see the difference a pronoun makes personal pronoun <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and this is them and we uh, kind of a panel thing wasn't it was it Sean Hughes was, was Sean Hughes doing it oh he was wasn't he yeah Oh, yeah, Sean Hughes was hosting, and we we were doing these. We, you know, we challenged to do, you know, Dustin Hoffman sitting um, on a pile of bricks in Maidstone. You know, yeah. and you know, we we had to try and make that funny, and mostly yeah. failed in my case. But yeah, well, welcome to the show, Alistair. Now, this is a show in which uh, we are going to be doing performing some new sketches these are sketches that have never been performed anywhere else both of my guests have had very little time <laughs> to read them and adjust to them and they don't even know which voices they're doing yet these are sketches submitted by a range of talented writers this is the first airing it's a effectively a table read so don't expect us to be brilliant at this for goodness sake especially me so i tell you what we'll do should we should we launch in mm -hmm. is everybody ready yeah. for you know okay. sort of do a little warm-up now this is um a sketch written by rob smith uh -huh. uh, rob's submitted uh, plenty of stuff to the podcast and we'll be hearing his work all the way through and incidentally if you want to know a little bit more about all the writers every sketch on the show will be on our uh, website which is www.voicemaestros.com and all of these shows will be on there as well so you can pop across and little bits of extra information about the performers and the writers so this is rob smith and this is an interview between an interviewer who will be played by kate and jose Mourinho. so guys whenever you're ready uh jose Mourinho, uh you've been appointed to put humpty dumpty back together are you pleased of course i am pleased but i think it is a difficult time for the egg we are uh, a bit scared in this moment but i think uh, with support we get there and uh, i bring that support mm -hmm. so well, why do you think they appointed you i think uh, eggs live in cups and as a manager i have won a lot of cups what kind of progress are you making with humpty we are uh, happy with progress. I think it is not a very optimistic thing to say we are making progress. Uh, Humpty, uh, he is in a better place. Uh, I can say that. So you're getting all the pieces together? We were a bit scared when it first happened, but now they are coming together. I think you have to uh, know that when egg falls off wall, there are a lot of uh, shells. Shells. So you weren't shell-shocked? I think you know me, I can be happy one, but in this moment, I think we should uh, not make joke. This egg is in a lot of pain, he is in a difficult situation, we have to, uh, have to understand that. Since you took over, there has been some criticism. Some people have questioned why you would ask horses, who don't have opposable thumbs, to put together a cracked egg. Uh, you make a stupid question. I have one at Madrid, Chelsea, Inter, in Portugal, in Manchester. I have one everywhere, I know what it takes. And uh, I know what team I need. So you think horses can help? The horses can help. The men can help. Little Bobby can help. Everyone can help. So we, we, should, we should trust you. I used to be a special one. Now I am uh, trusted egg one. There has been speculation that Humpty's fall wasn't an accident. Uh, what do you have to say about that? I think I am very careful what I say. I get in trouble with the FA a lot. You know this? 
So you don't want to comment on his fall? You can Google, you can read, you have eyes. We all have eyes if a tree falls and no one sees it. Did it fall? This is not a tree. This is an egg. But if egg comes down off wall, maybe, maybe it is pushed. I don't know. But how does anything come down on its own? Hmm? If someone did push him, who do you think it might be? I'm not saying I think he was pushed. I'm not saying that. I can't speak about it. But I think if something bad happens, you have to look at uh, look at who benefits. Who would benefit? I think that's not for me to say. But uh, at this moment, Manchester City, uh, 13 games unbeaten. So you can see who benefits. Huh? Very good. Oh, that was that was very smooth, you two. Uh, you sound like you've done this kind of thing before. Well, he's doing <laughs> acting, isn't it? Mourinho's actually very, very difficult, I've found, over the years. He's been in and out. Is and every he? time I think, yeah, every time I think, right, I'm going to get him this time, he loses his job. So I think, oh, right, forget him, I'm not coming back. And then <laughs> so he comes think, back oh, I'm and not going to bother with him. Is it worth it? Yeah. So I've always been on and off the Mourinho horse. But he's from Portugal and it's such a difficult accent. It's almost got the sort of little shades of Russian. Or the yeah, real, the sort it of sounds basically sound Russian. This. Portuguese and does sound Russian. Mm. It's very hard because he is so... I try doing my stand-up as well sometimes. And because he's so terse and curse and generally pretty unpleasant, I think, he doesn't sell a joke. The voice doesn't mm. sell a joke because he's miserable. Mm. And you have somebody like Ian Holloway, yeah. who's not a well-known manager now, but he's you know been around the block, QPR, Blackpool, Grimsby, everywhere. Ian Holloway from Bristol, you know, talks like that. And because his voice is energetic and goes up at the end and yeah. he says weird things, yeah. you're always going to... It's like a prompt for a laugh, isn't it? You get to the end of it and people laugh because your voice goes up. <laughs> but Mourinho is always like this and that's that. And you cannot get the... Uh, it does not make people laugh. And I find it really... So I drop him from my act because he just doesn't make people laugh. I can see that. But I think what you really capture there with that, Ali, is, is the, the rhythms of, yeah. of his speech. Because, you know, these are this very staccato... And, and also there's an element of... You know, I know you're trying it on with me to, to the, you know, to the interviewer, and I'm not yeah. going to take any shit. So I'm, I'm in control all the time. And I think you really, you really got on top of those rhythms, mm. and I think that's the key to that impression, really. I mean, he's a fascinating kind of study as a, as oh, a as a lay person who who's who doesn't follow the footy. Um, I always watch him, and I think. I do wonder about his unpredictability, whether that's manufactured or, you know, he just adopts that because it's quite a good way of, like, in this sketch, deflecting mm. any question with utter nonsense. Well, a bit like his attitude is he's got sounds as well that are inconsistent. So sometimes he'll say, I think, and generally he says, I think. And sometimes he will roll yeah. the R, as you say, and sometimes he doesn't roll the R. And sometimes he'll say that and this with a D, and sometimes it's that and this. And you think, what oh. is your... Just stick to one accent, will you please? And don't be from Portugal. It's very, very hard. And also one thing that I tried to, to adopt, because it does help sell a joke with Mourinho, is that initially when he was over here with Chelsea in whatever it was, 2004, he had this way of talking and sometimes he'd get very cross and at the end he would go up like this. As if to say, why are you questioning me? <laughs> That's nice. And that, because it went up like that, did trigger a laugh. But he doesn't do it very much yeah. now. Yeah. Whether he's lost interest or he just doesn't care about being understood, I don't know. But so He's highly intelligent. And, and I sometimes uh. think he hides behind in his English. Because mm. sometimes he'll, he'll deliberately, it seems to me, not express himself. Yeah, definitely. In order to be either 
enigmatic or yeah. to just leave you trailing. What's or pretend not to understand the question. So the mm -hmm. question yeah. has to be repeated. Yeah. What do you mean by this? Yeah, I don't exactly. understand? Yeah, you're right. When I read this sketch, one of the things with it, and again, it's difficult because Mourinho is slow, is that it's long. Mm. So you sort of want ah. to yeah. do him quicker than he is. If we did a cut-down version, is that interesting? Because I can see oh. the cuts very easily, and I think it would make it a better yeah. sketch. Yeah, listen, let's do that. I've got my pencil at the ready. Absolutely, the ready. absolutely do that. I'm sure, I'm sure Rob won't mind. Well, I think what Rob's done is he's, he's got Mourinho's turns of phrase. He's got lots of parallels with what he yeah. said to various matches to do with this Humpty Dumpty thing. Mm -hmm. So if I were him and someone was saying, take that out, I'd go, no, that's my favourite bit of writing. But I think it doesn't help the sketch keep interesting. Yeah, well, let's let's get the red pen going, um, okay, and then we'll give it a, another quick, uh, quick. All burst. right. So here's Why my not? suggestion. So Great the idea. first line, she would say, the interviewer, you would uh, put Humpty Dumpty back together, and then cut cut speech two, cut. Are you pleased in speech two, so that she carries mm -hmm. on saying, "Why do you think they appointed you?" So that's the first question mm -hmm. after the anno. Mm -hmm. Then he responds. Loses, I think. He does, he does line four. Then if she liaises the interior lines five and line six, so that it's a sort of double question. So, so change, so you're getting team. to, are you getting? And it would what have to kind be of progress are, are you making with Humpty, so you're getting all the pieces? You'd have to change, so, so you're are to, you getting, are, are, are you, you getting, getting all the pieces together? Yeah. So are you? So are lose you? The, lose the so. So then we lose six completely. Then the first half of eight we lose, but that's really for me. So we lose down to together and just have the second half of eight. And the last thing is for me, line 20, I'll cut out the middle section and the last line. So it would now read, you can Google, you can read, you have eyes. But if an egg comes down off a wall, maybe it is pushed. Mm -hmm. End of that speech and then we continue as it is to the end okay all right fab well look so if that's sort of clear that's taken about a third of it out and i think it will be yeah. happier for it okay well we're going to have another crack at this sketch i say we you two are away you go so uh jose Mourinho, you've been appointed to put humpty dumpty back together why do you think they appointed you eggs live in cups and as a manager i have won a lot of cups what kind of progress are you making with Humpty? Are you getting all the pieces together? Well, uh, when an uh, egg falls off the wall, you have to know there are a lot of uh, shells. Hmm? So you weren't shell-shocked? Hmm. I think you know me, I can be happy one, but in this moment I think we should not make a joke, no? This egg is in a lot of pain, he's in a difficult situation, we have to understand that. Now, some people have questioned why you would ask the king's horses, who don't have opposable thumbs, to put together a cracked egg. The king's horses can help. The king's men can help. Little Bob Peep can help. Everyone can help. Well, there has been speculation that Humpty's fall wasn't an accident. What do you have to say about that? I think I'm very careful what I say about that. I get in trouble with FA a lot. You know this? So you don't want to comment on his fall? You can Google. You can read. You have eyes. But if an egg comes down off a wall... Maybe it is pushed. If someone did push him, who do you think did it? I'm not saying I think he was pushed. I'm not saying that. I can't speak about it. But I think if something bad happens, you have to look at uh, who benefits. And who would benefit? I think that's not for me to say. But in this moment, Manchester City are 13 games unbeaten. So 
you can see who benefits. <laughs> Excellent. And I yes, and I see that was the, the, the cut down uh, version, which I think had a lot more zip. It didn't lose any of the gags. And uh, we did you? How did you both feel about that? Kate, was that smoother? Yes. Although I think possibly because I was um, so mindful of, you know, all the, the pencil <laughs> slash all over the, the script, uh, I, probably the rhythm may have been, a, 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 yeah. a, you know, not as kind to the jokes. But I don't know. What yeah. do you feel, Alastair? I mean, obviously it was much better. Yes. Well, you certainly lose some nice phrasing. But I think the idea of, of what's happened is clearer to the listener. You're just thinking mm. Humpty Dumpty has come off a wall. He's fallen apart. Marino's putting him back together. How's it going? Shell-shocked. Yeah. You, you should have got more jokes so each question sort of has a funny response quickly rather than quite a stretched out thing which after a while you're starting to forget what you're talking about so you lose you win and you lose but um i think i think it's better to be shorter whether we got the right cuts i don't know but i think yeah. it was better to be shorter but i was like you i was concentrating more on the the lines than the performance it's an interesting so. primer for our listeners that because that's kind of how table reads work which is you know this is what our show is about you know hearing the sketch and then hearing it again once uh, some tweaks have been made and you you heard some of that process i think the other thing that happens with with editing sketches at any point is that if you write them long whether it's for radio or particularly for television you think oh we can cut this if it's over long once mm. you've recorded it but because of the nature of the performance sometimes you think oh mm. that's going to sound unnatural mm. now if we cut there so sometimes you have to take our line out too many to make it uh, the acting hang together so you always want to try and get and certainly if it's television the continuity might change if someone moves here moves there you want to get your yeah. sketch as as accurate and as tight as you can before you record and before you film otherwise you can't always yeah. did you do that you on the big cut. impression we learned the hard way cake <laughs> <laughs> we we had a fabulous producer called um, called Charlie Hansen, and Charlie was one of my favourite impressions to do, ironically, because he wasn't actually famous. But <laughs> Charlie had worked on every sketch show going and continues to do so at the age of whatever he is now, probably 70. But he was, an, he was fantastic to me, and he said that. He said, you've got to get the sketch as tight as you can. We will still edit it, but uh, if it's over long, Alistair, you're wasting wow. time, yeah. you're wasting money, and then you can't always do the edits you want. That's so Very true. Very interesting, isn't it? An, an interesting insight. Well, I tell you what, because that uh, we did a, a, an extra read there, and I, you know, they're both in the show and the podcast. Um, why don't we press straight on with the next sketch? It's called One True Faith, <clears throat> written by Tom Jensen. Tom's uh, written uh, lots of stuff again for the podcast. Now we've got a few characters here. We. Uh, we've got Louis Theroux, and I think Louis is the, the main character. That's, uh, that's going to be Al Alistair. We've got Michael Gove. Now, I, I'm going to take Gove on because, A, I've never done him before, and, B, I don't care, you know, so I don't care what he sounds like. So he's, a, he's a bit Scottish and a bit... He's a bit Scottish, a bit fair, and a bit London at the same time, isn't he? I don't know. He's really hard to do. I, I can't do him, so don't worry He's about very him hard. Yeah. We, 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 we were talking about Mourinho, which I always think is almost sounds like a hybrid accent of sort of, yeah. you know, sort of Latin and then Russian and something else. That's right. Um, and Gove, Gove, who's sort of London, but then he suddenly goes Scottish, and you don't know where you are with him. But <laughs> I, I, I will happily fail on that one. Uh, we also have Pretty Patel. Mm. Um which is going to be Kate's department. And there's a Farage, which I, I suppose I'll have, a, I'll have a bellow at Farage. So that's it. Are we all happy with that? Yeah, I'm very happy with that, because I didn't oh, go yeah. more Farage, yeah. so I was dreading that. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I. So 
That makes two of us. All right, so this is called One True Faith, and this is uh, Louis Theroux's at a meeting of the faithful. This wasn't what I expected. The believers were surprisingly open and friendly. Soon I was chatting to a random couple in a breakout group. Do you believe in one true faith, Louis? One true faith? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, do you know, I, I, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Do you believe in taking back control of your life? Oh, well, of course I do, yes. Doesn't, doesn't everyone? And do you want the British people to have sovereignty over their money, the laws, and their borders? To be honest, I'm, I'm slightly confused. Where, where are you going with this? Can, I mean, can, can you help me out here, uh, Pretty? Well, what Michael's trying to say is, do you believe Brexit was created in the image of Boris to unite our kingdom and save mankind? Oh, I, I'm not sure about that. Um, All you need to do is welcome Brexit into your life. Become its child. Love global Britain with all your heart. You can do that right now, Louis. I'm not trying to rush you, but that's the way faith works. Despite Pretty's reassurances, I was feeling slightly pressurised to become a Brexiteer. That wasn't really my scene. I wasn't happy with where the UK was heading, but I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So I kept quiet. That's when the preacher got up onto the podium and things got a whole lot stranger. Now that Brexit is done, uh, now it's here among us tonight. Uh, Will you welcome it into your life? This was the moment of truth. Would I unquestioningly accept we'd been right to leave our biggest export market, abandon a community of 500 million people and the chance to influence global affairs from climate to nuclear proliferation? I still couldn't bring myself to say it. Say it out loud after me. Brexit, I love you today. I love you today. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Wish, (laughs) fuck it. (laughs) Wash away my sins with a pint of British beer. Even though I didn't really agree with Nigel, there was something hypnotic about him. I still wasn't a true believer, but I wanted to please my new friends so much that a few words spilled out. Come on, Louis, you can say it. Foreigners go home. Oh, oh, Maggie, (gasps) did I... Yes! Did I just say that? Oh, no. Yes, you did. Welcome to a bright new tomorrow. Congratulations, you've been born again. Wow. Oh, you're Louis Theroux. Oh, my God, that is heaven. (laughs) That is so brilliant. That's very kind of you. That brings us to an interesting question as well, because (laughs) within a sketch, you know, you think... See, this is a name-dropping, but um, when I was still living in London, I got to know Stanley Tucci quite well. Um, Stanley was a neighbour. And, you know, Stanley's done so many movies. And I asked him a question once, and I said, if you get a sketch, because as a writer, you know, generally, I want every every word said... And I don't want people messing around with it because you labour over it, mm. says he having just cut a sketch mm. to ribbons. But when you're an impressionist, <laughs> you have a, such a strong idea of how somebody talks that you think, I should play free a little bit with this because Louis' hesitations aren't written in. His repetitions aren't yes. written in. Now you think, yeah. is the writer happy for me to do that? When I asked this of Stanley Tucci, he said, hey, you know, you gotta, you got to do it. Yeah, you got to make it real. Yeah, you don't want to be the writer. And I'm thinking, but I'm the writer. I want, to, I want the writer obeyed. But I can see it from both points of view. But as an impressionist, I think yeah. you do have to 
bring something, if you see it, that the character does, if it's hesitation and repetition, you've got to add it in. Do you find that there are issues with the longer form uh, of impressions-based um, sketches in that, you know, when we do a sketch, when we do an impression, you know, I, I would do Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage, uh, that's it. It's all I do. Um, and then suddenly I'm reading lots of other stuff and I've got to find the right pitch and the right timbre and the right yeah. rhythm yeah. to make other types of things that aren't the cartoony bit, you know, that I could do, say, on stage uh, and to make it sound like this is how he would talk. Yeah. And of course, when he talks, he's not doing all of those fancy bits and pieces that instantly center your impression on stage you you've got to do so much more with the voice to make it you know to make it scan to to do all of those lines it was a problem we had years ago when we did um, the big impression ronnie and i and we talked about um posh and becks particularly who became you know some of our two of our most popular characters but all we all we'd heard of david was him being interviewed you know after a match and it was always just really pretty monotone and you know very few words it was always just like yeah i was really pleased and i was in the right place at the right time and i managed to put it away <laughs> and then we're doing a sketch where he's saying you know what sort of um dressing do you want on your salad and you think can we have him saying what sort of dressing do you want on your salad or do you have to say what sort of dressing do you want on your salad you know you've got yeah, to act it a yeah. bit because you think yeah. Yeah. All right, he, that's maybe not how he sounds, but you haven't heard him talking at home. Nowadays, probably yes. you have, because everyone's bloody yes. videoing and podcasting everything, <laughs> that everyone knows how everybody sounds in every given situation. So anyway, yeah, yeah, in answer to your question, I think you have, to, you have to take it a bit further than we normally hear. The narrow parameters of Gove's interview voice yeah. are going to be different when he's at a rally. Yeah, of it's, course. It's, 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 it's an interesting, interesting thought, uh, discussion, that, and I'm sure we'll have that you know, going through the, the shows with, with all of the performers. That was a great pretty Patel, by the way. Oh, God, no, really, was it? That's the first time I've ever done her, actually. It was good. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of Deborah Stevenson's Pretty Patel. So it's difficult, isn't it, when you really admire someone else's impression and you yeah. sort of... You, you, the temptation is always to do an impression of that brilliant impression. Of course. Mm. But um, I resisted that. Well, Alistair's been copying my impressions for years. You know, it's embarrassing <laughs> almost. It's interesting with, you, with your Gove, because I was looking at Gove earlier on thinking, I'm going to have to do Gove. And I thought, I've never been able to do him. Partly because he's got two different voices, which again is the hard thing. even voices, yeah. In interviews, because he has that quite high high tone. And then sometimes he goes really, yeah. really low within yes, the same sentence. he's got sentence, quite a rich baritone, hasn't he? Yeah. But he also, yeah. and this is something I always find interesting, is that he sounds like... A bit like Ronnie Corbett. If you listen carefully, their eyes closed. Ronnie Corbett, there we go. If yes, you start off with that and then yeah, go away right. from that, that's there the you way go. Yeah, it. that timbre. That yeah. That's very interesting. It's a great observation. <laughs> but I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that might help. Well, I took him off your hands, and and you know, you. Um, always, always bailing uh, Mr. McGowan out. Oh, so <laughs> made a career out of that. So. Um, what has everyone been up to, Alistair? Last time we spoke, you were your piano stroke impressions tour had kind of—I think you just started—and then lockdown, you know, put a very you know kind of brought brought the shutters down on that. Um, have I got I've got that right, haven't I? And, and is that sort still of. something you're looking to to re- resuscitate as and when? Yeah. Well, I, I was doing what would have been the third tour of that about to because I've done about forty shows of that tour over the last two years up until 2020 and then yeah it was put back from march and april to june and july 2020 and then to september and then to march and now it's yeah. back in june and july of this year possibly 
So I will go back and do it. Yeah. But it's very strange, and I don't know if other people have said this to you or whether you feel the same, Kate, but certainly about live work, you just think, I've done two. I know other people have done a lot. Giles Brandreth I've had contact with, and Giles does, he always tells me, lots of uh, award ceremonies online via <laughs> Zoom, would you believe? Does gigs via Zoom. I've done two, two in the year. Yeah, two, yeah. two. Um, but uh, it's, it's going to be strange going back on stage and there's a momentum to it yeah and there's a bravado yeah. to it which you have all your life as a performer you never stop to think what am I doing going on stage and suddenly that ghost that little thing is in my head saying who do you think you are playing the piano in front of people you've been playing for five years who do you think wants to hear and once that starts oh. you think I hope that goes away in time Oh, it will go away. It absolutely will go away. It's the, 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 the one that you don't want is the one of like going, uh, going, do I really want to do this anymore? Kind of haul my, myself around the country, you know, kind of, yes. I mean, that's, that's the one I, I think uh, I'm sort of, uh, I'm a lazy sod. So um, who was it? Somebody once an act said, you know, the curtain goes up with the cornflakes. And right. it's so true. Um, and so your whole day, your whole day, and I've done quite a few shows, you know, like, like you, uh, theatre shows, and it's hard. It's really eight shows a week. Uh, I sort of, Mm. that's more what I think is like the stamina, but, um, hopefully, you know, tennis will, will get my stamina back up to, um, to where it needs to be. Should I be summoned for live work? Well, I, I gave up all live performing about 10 years ago and and i i haven't missed it to be honest with you i i, I made a couple of little comebacks at little clubs in brighton and i i just enjoyed the few minutes on stage but i just i didn't enjoy anything that went with it you know which is the the, the getting there the hanging around the getting a mm. bit edgy and you know and, when and then coming away people? and thinking yeah. <laughs> yeah well i wasn't going to say that obviously <laughs> but yeah um and it's also, I was listening the other day to an interview with Andy Nyman, who's a you know, wonderful oh, yeah. actor. He was, yeah, it's lovely. He was talking about um, playing uh, Tevye in Fiddle mm-hmm. on the Roof. And he mm-hmm. was basically carrying the show in the West End for, for, for you know, however ever long that was. And he said it was funny, you know, one minute you're on stage getting encores and the next minute you're on the train going home <laughs> and you're just nobody. Sounds like a, a Broadway song that you, the, the lyrics it does. Sometimes, sometimes. But it's interesting. I often used to think when I yeah, had a, a, a rare good gig, you know, <laughs> somewhere like Jonglers, where you've got 500 people encoring or going mad for your thing, and then you, you sort of get in the car and traipse home and you'll just go home and have a bit of toast. And it, uh, that always struck me as kind of the, the, the highs and lows of being a performer. And actually, I just in the end thought, I, there's not enough in it for me as... On, on stage I'm not enjoying it enough I'm not getting enough out of the whole process of being the worst illustration so. of that or the best illustration of that is when you do corporate gigs on your own in a hotel oh. away from oh. home and you're staying the night so you've yeah. finished your gig and you've just done Killers. sometimes two hours of, of presenting or you know entertaining and presenting these yeah. awards or whatever it might be and they're loving it yeah. generally hopefully and then you, you bow and then you get in the lift you go up to your room on the 21st floor of the whatever hotel it is in Birmingham and then you're there and they're probably still applauding yeah. and you're already in your room thinking right, yes yeah. now what it's so true yeah. <laughs> yeah. now what do you do just have to <laughs> massage the check into the wound yes but, but <laughs> it's I mean it, it, it is that that thing isn't it of, I think solo performance is, is, a, is a I think you don't nourish you don't get nourished in the same way as you might in a company mm. um, that sort of well this uh, is why we're here today of course mm. doing this yeah, so we can exactly. we can kind of exactly. nourish Fire each, off other. each other <laughs> <laughs> 
We're going to have a crack at another sketch then. Uh, I'm delighted to say I'm not in this one. And it's by Rachel E. Thorne, who, again, and one of our prolific writers for the show, it's called BBC News Job Swap. Um, and I have to say, this is uh, it's going to be a toughie uh, for you, Kate. You've got about five voices. You've got Tess Daly, Carol Kirkwood, None of uh, whom Lisa I've Doucette. ever done before. And know. Alan Shearer. <laughs> that was a real bastard. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you off Alan Shearer uh, and we'll, we'll get, we'll <laughs> yeah, get Alistair to do that. So okay. um, this is called BBC News Job Swap and away we go. This is BBC News with Tess Daly. Our top story this lunchtime. The BBC has insisted all TV presenters do a secondment in another department as part of their diversity drive. They just couldn't work out how else to get a Stockport accent on the world at one. First, let's cross to Wembley to get an update on today's crucial UEFA match. Here's Carol Kirkwood. A bright start to the game, but things quickly turned unsettled. <gasps> Several midfielders pushing in from the left, tending to linger over undefended ground. Some isolated flurries near the goal mouth. A touch of tackling, some light handball, but no sign of the deluge of goals we've been expecting. Overall, a typical match for March. But do keep checking back for updates throughout the course of the game. Thanks, Carol. And it turns out women can report on football too. Who knew? And now with a summary of last night Strictly Come Dancing, here's our new entertainment correspondent, Lise Doucette. It's Saturday night. It's late. The Blackpool Ballroom is a ghost town. I'm standing here in my bulletproof vest wondering what all the dancing can have done to the people of this town. They pass by with hollow eyes, shell-shocked that so much can have happened in so short a time. A quick time, if you will. Their feet are sore, some have blisters. Are they ever going to dance again? All we know for sure is that guilty feet ain't got no rhythm. This is Lise Doucette putting the strict into ballroom. And now the weather with Alan Shearer. Well, I've been watching closely and it's just not good enough. Those clouds have been out grafting since seven o'clock, asking questions of the brightness, getting forward, putting in a hard day's work, and the sun has shown up half-hearted, unfocused. You cannot take risks like that, not in this game. It's supposed to be spring, and there is not a ray of sunshine to show for it. It's a disgrace, an embarrassment to the season. That's it. The next news on BBC One is at six o'clock. And remember... Keep worrying about the state of the world. Bravo. Oh, my Bravo. God. Lise Doucette. It was like being a, a potter's wheel out of control, you know. I was like, where is this accent going? I just, I, yes, I needed well, to do like, a bit more homework it? on that one. It was great. What a joyful Listen. test, Danny, though. And a great Carol Kirkwood. I'd never heard anybody do her before. That in-breath is, it was uh, is terrific. classic. I, I, I enjoyed every, every morsel. Every morsel of that is wonderful stuff. Thanks for listening to part one of this recording with Alistair McGowan and Kate O'Sullivan. Part two will appear later in the series. If you enjoyed the show, why not drop us a five-star review and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or your chosen podcast platform. Come and follow us on Twitter at VoiceMaestros. Uh, I'll be dropping video clips of the recordings, uh, bits of inside info and links to the shows. Uh, and there's all of that and more, including all the sketches, 
on our website, which is www.voicemaestros.com. The performers and I will be happy to engage and chat across our various platforms. Oh, and uh, we've got a Making an Impression Facebook page as well. Join us next time for another Making an Impression, The Sketches.